Thank you for choosing Macabre today. Please remain seated and strap in during the duration of this episode. It's going to be a bumpy ride, and we hope you enjoy your time with us. And remember, listener discretion is advised. How's it going? Oh, it is going. Um, yeah, today I've been running errands and cleaning. It is Monday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You did or yeah. did not have the day off? You did have the day off, I right? did. Yeah, right. uh, we finally start getting federal holidays off That's this year. That's so nice. I know. I'm so grateful for that because it's just like you, sometimes you just need a fucking day. <laughs> 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 you know? And like I, I was like, you know what? I have a lot of shit that I need to do like eternally. But um, today, since I was like, okay, well, normally this would be a work day. I'm like, I'm going to fucking clean the house. Well, my errands took a little bit longer than normal, so I didn't get very far. I'm still cleaning the office, and I'm trying to get prepared for, um, I want to change my shelves for season two a little bit. I missed that. It totally cut out. Oh, no. Just say again. It was like, I think it was just like a connection thing. It probably recorded it. I just didn't hear it. (gasps) Okay. I hope so. Um, you can hear me now though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay, cool. Um, I'm still clean. I'm still st- stuck cleaning the office. Like I started doing like laundry and stuff like that. Like, um, like bed clothes and, um, the living room blankets and stuff like that. So, um, I have that going and I'm like, yeah, all right. And then I'm in the office and I'm like, okay. And I'm like halfway through it. And then I'm like, you know, I really need to make sure that I'm not putting a bunch of stuff you know, away, away, because um, I want to, I'd like to change my bookshelves for season two a little bit to kind of nice. match a little bit of what we did in season one. Um, Very I cool. I think that'd be kind of cool. I, like yeah. I have an arsenic bottle. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> like a real one? No. Oh, gosh, no. Oh. Um, oh. I found it on my family vacation in October. Okay. It's like a there prop was, bottle. Yeah, but it looks super cool. Cool. No, I yeah. legitimately have been going online looking for some of those old apothecary bottles. Yes. And they're, they're out there. And mm-hmm. a lot of them have disclaimers on them too. Like, you know, don't open this bottle. Don't touch. I don't know the arsenic specifically, but there are some of them that are like, yeah, maybe don't open the bottle. You know, and I'm like, it's yeah. so cool to have. Those old medicine bottles, like laudanum, I think is one I Mm -hmm. saw. Um, Trying to think what else, but yeah, that would be so cool. Ongoing goal of mine is just to find all the cool stuff uh, when I go to New Orleans in April. Yes. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky. You better believe I'm going to come back with some weird stuff. Hell yeah, you better. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm definitely going to take the uh, Madame Delphine LaLaurie Laveau tour. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. You, can't, you can't get into Episode. the mansion. Like, yeah. You can't get into the mansion. No. I think they, it's very limited, like who they allow. It's not like a, a thing. Um, right. Because they tore down, I think, the original and then built something else up. So, like, mm-hmm. a lot of the activity where it would have originally been happening actually is now where the roof is. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, I'm still going to take the tour just to get yeah, some Yeah, I know. Yes. Do it. And then Oh, and I'm then so excited we'll, for you. And then we'll be covering her in season two. We'll yes. In one of yes. the spots. Send me um, pictures. Yeah. I know. I wish I could just. Have you jet set to meet me <laughs> for like a day or two? Well, you never know. You never know. Um, Who knows? But yeah, we shall see. Uh, the weather's crazy right now. Are you still snowed in? Shovel your way out? No. Um, yeah, we use the snow blower because there's no way that snow is heavy. Yeah. Um, it is. It is literally zero. Uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit for our foreign listeners. Uh, it's zero. Yeah, <laughs> and probably and feels that's like that's nothing negative. new for us. 
probably feels yeah, like a negative. Exactly. Especially something. since Oh, definitely. I can look right now at the weather for you to tell you. But um obviously for Wisconsin that is absolutely nothing new for winter. No, but the that's fact normal. that we were Yeah. But the fact that we went into like the 40s and 50s all the way up through mid-December and then suddenly boom here's your first snowstorm and then you're like right yep this is the uh ball freezing temperature I remember uh it feels like negative 21 oh degrees gosh, Fahrenheit no. right now yeah mm-hmm. just don't yeah, go outside but it's oh it's gone up to two right now oh, uh two degrees so- Fahrenheit because the sun came out okay so it's 11 <laughs> here currently really uh oh yeah, high of high of 12 degrees so we still have a, a little bit of room uh low <laughs> was left zero. in the day yeah low was zero oh. today our low was negative three yep. oh. yeah thank goodness that we I have one a of modern those. society too where we have we have heat and uh you know don't have to be outside mm-hmm. in the elements yeah i agree i prefer to be cold um i hate being hot my body doesn't handle it very well and so i you know but i do get cold i like to be in blankets and this is uh this is a lot especially when you're having to go and get gas (laughs) i'd rather be cozied up in a blanket than like sweaty all over the place and like sticking to furniture and yes you know? Exactly. You can only take too many, as many, like, you know, a, a number of layers off. You can't right. take your skin off. And also and in the summer, if you wear shorts, oh, does that not feel good coming off of a leather seat? Yeah. And it's not nearly as sexy <laughs> being sweaty. It's like, you know, at least when nope. you're cold, you have an excuse to like cozy up next to someone, you know, put your cold exactly. butt cheeks on them. <laughs> Right? You're like, ooh. And it's not sexy if you like have an imprint, like a waffle imprint on your ass to cozy up to somebody when you're sweaty. You know, cuddle up to the waffle ass for a second. It's not as sexy. (laughs) Just saying. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, listeners, today is uh, one of those days where we are re recording. We actually just did one for you recently and. This yeah. just happened to be the second one in the batch that we did together, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, hey, at least it was just two. You know, yeah. we're doing pretty good. Yeah, so we apologize for any technical issues that might have happened leading up to this episode. Uh, turns out in the move, it seems like my microphone did get damaged and didn't really catch all of the issues until just recently so anyways the mic has been replaced so yay Thank you for that Wee. Wee. um Wee. and now we're gonna retell uh this episode and um maybe it'll Heck be yeah. better the second time around <laughs> mm. you did good the first time too it can only get yeah. better from here i mean i am still recovering from being sick so there may be moments where i have to like pause or i still sound a little bit like nasally but not as bad as i did Oh, days ago, no. so I think that's yeah. Good sign. You sound great. Yeah. That sounds yeah. better, right? Oh, yes. I am so glad that you're feeling better because I felt so bad for you. <laughs> yeah, and we actually had to postpone the Amityville interview, uh, mm-hmm. which we're going to be doing that this week as well. So it's uh, yeah. it's all good. Shit happens. Hmm. All right. Well, friends. Today's episode is the letter W for Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Yes, and you've been there. I have been there. So we will Heck definitely yes. be getting, <laughs> we'll be getting into that <laughs> story at some point in the episode for sure. Um, and if you listen to the Exorcism Exposé, you would have heard a little bit about um, Bishop Long's experience as well. So it's it felt, it felt like this was just something that we needed to do, given that it's come up a few times and I have personal Absolutely. experience. So um, for listeners, let's just dive right into the episode. So I'm going to ask you to turn on your flashlights. 
and we're going to walk the halls of the infamously haunted and historically macabre location that is known as Waverly Hills Sanatory. Dun, 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 dun. And I would assume that many of our listeners probably are familiar with Waverly Hills, especially, I mean, if you are someone who nerds out on the paranormal shows uh, like Haunted History or Ghost Hunters or, you know, name pretty much any haunted history episode and Waverly Hills pretty much comes up in all of them because, (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's, it's coined in quotes. The most terrifying building in America. And I can personally attest to the fact that this is an accurate statement. I mean, I haven't been to all the buildings in America, but (laughs) just based off of my personal experience, I'm going to say yeah. So buckle up and um, join us in the halls of Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Let's get into the history. Heck yes. You ready for this? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. So, the area known today as Waverly Hill was purchased back in 1883 by Major Thomas H. Hay. The purchase was intended to be used for his his family home. The property is located just outside of Louisville, Kentucky, and it sits in a remote area outside of the uh, city, high up on a hill. At this point in time, I'm pretty sure it's very closely connected to a golf course. So th- that gives you any kind of like idea of what the terrain looks like. Like there's a nice okay. golf course, wooded area, and then you drive up a hill. It's like a classic scene that you would see in a horror movie. It, it really does <laughs> look like that. Um, if, if you're not familiar with what the building looks like, Google that shit because it is huge. Uh, we'll get into yeah. that as well. But when it was purchased, um, the reason that it was purchased was because there weren't a lot of schoolhouses in the area. And the guy who owned the property was like, oh, I want to build a schoolhouse for my kids just because it was more convenient. And he was wealthy enough to do that. So he bought the land. He hired a teacher. And this teacher, her name was Ms. Harris. And she just happened to be someone who was really into um, books, also known as a bibliophile. And she liked this one author in particular. Oh, yeah, it is you. (laughs) (laughs) I could see you doing that, actually. I could see you like, oh, yeah. How are you with kids? (laughs) You know, I love kids. I do. Uh, Don't want my own, but I would love to be auntie. So bring it on. I, Books I and kids. See, I'll read the kids. I could just see you back in that day wearing that like schoolhouse dress with your books <laughs> and your little glasses and all that kind of stuff. I could fit right in, I think, to that. Um, probably. I'm horrible with technology. So probably. <laughs> um, but she fit right she, in the 1800s. You would. I think I would have too, but anyways. You so would have. <laughs> I would have been the one that was probably wearing pants. Um, I probably would have said, screw the dress, I'm going to wear the pants. Um, but so Mrs. Harris, Ms. Harris, loved books. And there was one author in particular that she really liked. Uh, his name was Walter Scott Waverly. And, or I'm sorry, let me back that up. She happened to love Walter Scott's Waverly novels. And she asked her employer if she could name Schoolhouse the Waverly School. I said, yeah. So this led um, Hayes to later name the grounds that the school was located on Neighborly Hill, because it was at on top of the hill. Well, that's, the, that's the history of how it got its name. And cool. everything was fine for a while, you know. It served the purpose that it was intended, but then something happened historically that changed the landscape of this property forever. And my friends, listeners, that is the kryptonite word that I have trouble saying is T for tuberculosis. The tuberculosis <laughs> epidemic happened. And I'm going to oh. probably just shorten that from here on out. And we're just going to say TB because it, 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 yeah. it will tangle me up. Sure. 
So we have to start by um, talking about what TB is and why why does that matter in the context of Beverly Hills. So TB per the CDC is defined as follows. It's caused by a bacterium called mycobacterium tuberculosis. The bacteria usually attacks the lungs, but TB can also attack any part of the body, including kidneys, the spine, and the brain. Now, not everyone affected with TB bacteria becomes sick. As a result, there are two TB-related conditions <clears throat> that exist. You have a latent infection and what is called full-on tuberculosis disease. If not treated properly, the TB disease can be fatal. And that's what we're going to basically be talking about today. You can't have a haunting without some death. So, Yeah, in a traumatic well, way. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could have haunting without death. But no, wait, you can't. <laughs> well, there, can't there is like ghosts. the concept. <laughs> There's a concept of a residual haunting that I've heard that um, it's in a haunted house. But like there's tours and stuff. I don't remember where it was a word it's called, but there there's like a specific like time of day or something that the activity happens and you're seeing the shadows and stuff, but cause there was a murder that took place. So I guess, yes, technically somebody died, but the <laughs> killer is still alive and in jail. Oh, that's part of the, do you know what I'm talking about? Is that something familiar? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that case in particular, but I mean, I guess that makes sense because, um, Whatever the activity that happened, the trauma from mm -hmm. that still left an imprint, even though the person that was responsible for murdering said whatever individual, it still leaves an impression. So right. that's weird. Yeah. yeah. That's it's, weird. It's so weird. I mean, we could talk about all the theories on that. That's certainly yeah. something we're going to have to get into at some point. Um, Definitely. <laughs> We have a lot of that. Um, and yeah. listeners, you will hear some supernatural, creepy stuff coming up on our Origin crossover episode. Oh. X. Oh. Yes. But, okay, side tangent. I went on a side <laughs> tangent, as we normally do. I'm not okay, helping. Back to I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> back to TV. Let's get back to TV now. Um, oh. It spreads really easily through the air. Imagine that by <laughs> these droplets of disgusting bacteria. Uh, if someone has TB in their lungs or throat, primarily. So anything okay. um, as little as like if you're talking to someone, if that person is coughing, if someone is singing close to you, anything that would force that bacteria into the air. <laughs> what are How you close? I I was just like like how close does somebody like have to be singing because like in your face? It depends like, on who the I singer feel... is, I guess, and how much yeah. lung power they have. Are we talking Celine Dion? Are uh, we talking somebody like... screaming in your mouth? You know, yeah. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in that case, story. I I definitely would have gotten TB. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's another Oof. side story. But yeah, yeah, that will. Do oh it. yeah, I will definitely do. It. Yeah. So, so if you're in if you're in close enough proximity and someone breathes in your face, it's gonna get into your lungs and it's gonna settle in and it's gonna start to grow. And then from there, yeah. that can move through your blood to other parts of your body, like I mentioned, your kidney, your spine, brain. Uh anyone whose lungs and throat are affected are gonna be more likely to spread the disease with people that they're Close to, you know, family, close proximity, friends. I hate to use the word. I'm not going to use the word. But it spreads a lot like other viruses <laughs> and respiratory yeah. viruses. We'll just, we'll just go with that. Um, yeah. Which, Everybody ironically knows. enough, I'm just getting over being sick again. Mm-hmm. I'm over two weeks in. So, um, and it was Ugh. definitely a respiratory thing. Not fun. Mm-mm. But I could have been one of those people. I could have easily been one of those people that ends up at Hills. Mm -hmm. So let's let's talk about um, the symptoms. 
this, again, I could definitely fit into this category. A bad cough that lasts for three weeks or longer. Pain <laughs> in the chest. Uh, this did not happen to me, but if you're coughing up blood or like phlegm from deep inside your lungs, there's a pretty good chance you might have tuberculosis. <laughs> Other symptoms, and I think this comes with the territory of like pretty much any time you are feeling ill for a long period of time, you are going to get weak. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose weight. Uh, you're probably not going to have much of an appetite. Things like fever and chills, night sweats, all of that is a pretty good indicator that you might have deep. So definitely uh, see your doctor if you have experienced any of those symptoms. And unfortunately, I can't do the voice of the medical professional commercial. <laughs> it's too bad, Blair. I should have had you do that portion of the. Dang it. Oh, oh, that's okay. Next time. Next time. Yeah. We'll do the medical voice next time. <laughs> and if you've gotten that far and you're not seeking treatment, chances are the disease is going to kill. Because mm-hmm. what happens next when the bacteria is left unchecked is it's going to cause lesions of the lungs. It's going to attach to the organ tissues. You're going to have all kinds of respiratory complications and then you're going to die. So not yeah. not a good time to be alive um, during that time frame. And this took place at the early part of the 20th century in Louisville. And Louisville had like one of the highest rates of tuberculosis deaths in the United States. Uh, the data I pulled from that said that nearly 20% of all the deaths at that time during that time period, can be attributed to TB. That's a lot. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And during this time, we know, right, in the early 20th century, we were talking about the beginning of industrialism. We're talking about people working in poor factory conditions, just poor working conditions in general, close proximity Mm -hmm. to other people, poor ventilation. Um, yeah, so just not a good, actually, it was a very good breeding ground for, uh, the spread of disease. Um, just not Mm -hmm. a great time to be alive. So, yeah, not much else uh, good, but for that, that's good. Not much else. (laughs) Yeah. Um, another, another contributing factor to why this was such a problem and why it was so, um, deadly was because of the geography of the landscape itself contributed to the disease because uh, the way that Louisville is, I guess, laid out is it essentially mm-hmm. sits down in the Ohio Valley. So there, it doesn't get like a lot of good airflow or movement um, of fresh air, which is very, very important for the recovery of this disease. So mm-hmm. again, just another compounding contributing factor that made this a big problem just a perfect storm interesting all the things to make this like as bad as humanly possible yeah oh man now because things were escalating the city basically they developed this board to deal with this epidemic like what are we gonna do So they established uh, the Board of Tuberculosis Hospital in 1906 in Louisville, and they started to look for a location to construct a facility that would be able to kind of serve um, the people that were affected by this. And Mr. Hayes' property was actually chosen for multiple reasons. One was it was far enough away from the city to where they're like, oh, this feels safe, you know, because we can keep it away from the city, kind of isolated. Mm -hmm. It sat up on a hill, so there was better airflow because of that. And they kind of negotiated and worked out this deal, and for whatever reason, they kept the name favorite. They thought it sounded calm and serene and peaceful, like a place that people would want to go and recover from a disease. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the flyers on that? Come to Waverly (laughs) Hill. Yeah. Gather in the fresh air. Stand on the balcony. Gather in deep. 
Yeah, gather in the fields. Just take a deep breath. Sounds so creepy. Uh, <laughs> so a couple years after they kind of settled on this idea, uh, it took two years before they were breaking any ground on what is what would be the future sanatorium. Construction mm -hmm. um, took another two years before it was well underway. And the first uh, iteration of the sanatorium ended up being much smaller than what it is today. So it was basically a small administration building. It had two connected open-air pavilions on either side, and each one of those housed about 20 male patients and 20 female patients. So very, hmm. very small. The construction uh, cost about $25,000. Now, it didn't take long uh, for them to reach yeah. capacity. Like, I couldn't even tell you, like, how quickly. But obviously, probably filled up, like, pretty much instantly. If you're only <laughs> yeah, able to the have day 20. they opened. It seems like a lot of money to invest, now that I think of it, to just yeah. uh, accommodate 40 people. Right. Like, why didn't they That's just pretty crazy. bigger initially? But right. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe especially money. when you... Yeah, that could be. But, like, yeah, especially if you look at, like, the count and if they knew, like, oh, yeah, this is a huge deal. Let's put in 40 rooms. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure the population at that time, I don't know. Maybe you can look that up, Blair, and see if you know what the population yeah. of Louisville would, have been, Louisville would have been around 1908. Um, yeah, let me check on that. But it just seems like was severely underestimated what they were going to need. Uh, so with that being said... Capacity was reached very quickly, and um, they started new construction again in 1924 on a five-story building with over 180,000 square feet, and it had a capacity for 400 patients. So the existing Waverly Hills Sanatorium took two years to construct, and it cost over a million dollars. Any luck on that? Dang. Nope, not yet. Census. Taking a breather. But that's anyways. a huge expansion, you know? Oh, yeah. From uh, 40 people to 400. That's like tenfold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and not only that, it, it was expansive. Uh, it was really a state of art. It was a self-sustaining facility for the most part. It had state-of-the-art treatment for patients. Every patient had access to their own telephone, radio. A lot of the rooms had um, solarium porch space so that they could go out and get fresh air. And as I mentioned before, fresh air was critical for treatment and recovery. Um, from my mm -hmm. experience visiting the site, sadly, one of the things that uh, the owner, Tina Mattingly, said was that there was like one side of the building that didn't get that good circulation and fresh air. So basically like oh. if you were admitted to the one side of the building versus the other side, your chances of dying were much higher. Really? That's so crazy. Yeah, just because it How... was, it was just stagnant. Yeah. So. And imagine and like too, nobody like, really knowing. Go ahead. I was just going to say, imagine the like patients not really knowing like what they were going to get. And they probably didn't know the difference back then of like, oh, if I don't have a window oh, exactly. versus having a window. Exactly. And then my thought, too, was like, if there was, you know how like when you go, a play, go to a place to stay um, and let's say there's like really good light, like natural light mm -hmm. and windows and fresh air, like a breeze. Yeah. It feels so much different. Like the way your mood is affected by just those things, those little things mm -hmm. can really have a big impact on your mental health and like how well Absolutely. you're going to be able to like, you know, rebound if you are feeling sick. If you're somewhere mm -hmm. where it's like dark and dreary and it smells like funky or whatever, like your chances of recovery are bad for multiple reasons, but it's going to affect your mental health too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the closest I could get. So as of uh, 1860, 
it looks like the population was just over 68,000. Okay. So, yeah. 400 out of 68,000 still isn't a lot. <laughs> no. It's not a lot. Exactly. Especially when yeah. the the number you ran off for percentages the in the beginning of the episode was yeah, in, yeah that's insane. 20% of deaths. Yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, uh, brutal deadly disease. But yeah, Ugh. now that I've we've covered um, what tuberculosis is, a little bit of history on that and on the location itself, we need to move into the actual reason that we're doing this episode. And things are about to get really morbid, macabre, and downright disturbing. So here's your trigger warning, people. Um, <laughs> not yeah. with a of heart. Nope. Waverly Hills is haunted for good reasons. And uh, we're going to talk about why. So uh, let's start with treatments. Treatments for tuberculosis were sometimes as bad as the disease itself. um, They were trying to figure out what the hell to do. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't really know what they were dealing with. So they Mm -hmm. were like, let's just try whatever makes sense. And as you and I both know, Blair, people were doing (laughs) some weird shit back in the day. Uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff would be considered barbaric by today's standard, but you know, yep. it was just like something that was common and they were just trying whatever they could to get relief for patients. So one mm-hmm. of the things that they did was they would expose the patient's lungs to UV light, so ultraviolet light, to try to stop mm. the spread of bacteria. Now, you're like asking yourself, how? <laughs> How yeah, I, I I get a bad picture in my head. Yeah. So this was done in areas called sunrooms, and they used artificial light instead of sunlight. Uh, on Or they would sometimes put the patients on the roof uh, of the hospital in, like, open porch areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since fresh air was thought to also be a possible cure, patients were often placed in front of huge windows or on the open porches, no matter what the season was. And there are photographs showing patients lounging in chairs, taking in the fresh air while literally covered in a blanket of snow. So on a day like today, we just talked about how freaking cold it is outside. They would just wheel them <laughs> out and just sit them on the porch and let them sit there in the freezing temperatures. Oh, oh. man. You won't die of TB, but you will die of <laughs> hypothermia. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Other treatments that they tried were even less pleasant. Uh, and uh, let's start with the balloon method. <laughs> so they would t- take a balloon <laughs> They would surgically implant it into the lungs and then fill the balloon with air as a way to try to expand the lung. Needless to say, this often had disastrous results, as did um, one of the other things they would do is they would go in and um, do an operation removing um, some of the muscles and the ribs of the patient in an attempt to kind of like open up the chest area. So that the lungs had more space to expand oh, and take in more oxygen. And this nope. was one of the worst. And it was kind of like a last resort, you know, last effort to try to do what they could to save the patient. But mm-hmm. pretty much always led to death. So it was, <sighs> you know, didn't work and had terrible, terrible consequences. Um, That's horrible. Yeah, and if if you know anything about Waverly Hills, or even if you don't, this is an area where, you know, it gets a little bit suspect because there's not a lot of data uh, to be found on this, but some people claim that thousands upon thousands of people died um, at Waverly Hills due to the tuberculosis epidemic, which I guess if you do the math on that, if it houses 400 patients, and we're talking a span of several years Mm -hmm. it's feasible it's it's possible 
Um, other people say that number is really exaggerated and it was just hundreds of people. But still, hundreds of people dying in a place traumatically is going to leave it's some a negative. Yeah, it's going to leave some yeah. residual stuff behind. Definitely. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if it was thousands or hundreds. It's, it's just not good. Um, right. There is a registry online that you can look at, and I'll try to link it in the show notes, but it's of the documented deaths at Waverly, but it's only over a specific period of time. So again, it's mm. not going to cover the full span of when the hospital was in operation. It's just going to include like a few years, uh, but I'll mm-hmm. put that in the show notes. All right. <clears throat> now that we've talked about some of the experimental procedures, I mean, obviously, we know what happened. Uh, antibiotics came along at one point. It wasn't until the late 1930s that the tuberculosis epidemic started to decline. And that was, you know, because they did develop this antibiotic to combat. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, Waverly Hills changed again. Uh, it was no longer needed as a hospital for tuberculosis patients. So they were like, well, what do we do with it now? So it went through a transition period. um, And then by the 1960s, it was converted over to a geriatric hospital. Oh. This normally wouldn't be bad, but it was. It was really Mm -hmm. bad because um, it was severely underfunded because of budget cuts that happened during the 60s and 70s. and there was a lot of patient mistreatment, horrible conditions in the building that are widely reported and documented. Um, and at this time, one of the common treatments that were used to, you know, help people with mental illness and other things was electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a perfect science at that time. I mean, we use it pretty successfully today and still use successfully today to treat people. but. Mm-hmm. During that time, it was not, and so a lot of people died. Um, that actually took place on the first floor, so keep that in mind later when I tell my story, uh, how that will play into my story. But, yeah, so the just kind of the progression of what Waverly Hills was, it just kept getting worse and worse because of those budgetary cuts. Um the reports of kind of what was going on at that time, it eventually did get shut down by the state uh, for patient mistreatment specifically. And that was in 1982. <gasps> so it took until 1982 That's crazy. before they actually were like, oh, this is bad. We got to shut that shit down. Um, That's crazy. I don't remember exactly when Tina Mattingly uh, and her husband, I believe, were the current owners took over the property and started like doing, you know, some restoration and, you know, now it's known for being a place that you can rent, um, rent out Mm doors and things like that. But, um, yeah. So with that being said, um, I would say probably, gosh, this, my visit was probably maybe like 15 years ago. It's been a while been a while um but let's get into now like some of the common things that people claim to have seen uh some of the hauntings why it's such a draw for paranormal investigators to go to the property these are just some of the number one shadow figures there are no shortage of shadow figures at waverly it's probably the most common thing that people see. Um, vis- visitors have witnessed shadowy figures moving along the corridors, uh, in the patient rooms. The shadows often manifest as dark human-like shapes. They've been spotted mm. during the day, also at night. And as I mentioned, very heavily reported on the first floor. So one of the things that happens now on the tours, or at least this is was in my experience, there's a game that people play. And the way this game works is when your group goes in, whoever in the group is feeling brave enough to do this challenge, someone like the tour guide or whoever is, you know, the staff 
that will take a glow stick. They'll walk down to the end of the hall. They'll place the glow stick on the floor and come back. And then someone in your group, generally the most skeptical person, will have to go down and retrieve the glow stick and bring it back. So we actually had a guy in our group who was not at all a believer in the supernatural Mm -hmm. and was kind of like, you know, just had a certain like attitude about it. And that's never a good thing in my opinion. Um, he was like, yeah, I'll do it. So he, he goes down the hallway and when he picks up the glow stick to come back, that's when you see the shadow people follow it. Oh, so that's the thing. Almost every single time you will see that activity happen. And that's why. Now, not only did that happen, but when he by the time he got back down to the end of the hall where we were, he was like in tears. And this is like a grown man who didn't believe in any of this stuff. And he kept saying like something scratched him and he lifted up his shirt and uh, on his back, you could see visible scratch marks. And that was like, oh my gosh, that was the end of his, his time there. He did not finish the night out. He just left. He's like, I'm, I'm going home. Turns out even, even like a couple weeks after this incident, Mm -hmm. he said that he was having experiences at home. So something was like attached to him and like followed him home and was messing with him at his house. Oh. Oh, nope, nope. Yeah, Yeah, no, thank you. How long is that hallway? It's long. I mean, this is a hundred eighty thousand square foot building. Oh no, it's not a short hallway. It's a long. It's very dark. Um, so that's where I also had my experience. I might as well just tell my experience now. Um, I was with another skeptic who was a close friend of Mm -hmm. mine, and we placed a video camera back in the day, you know, little video camera Mm -hmm. that was fully charged in the electroshock therapy room because that's kind of, we knew that was where a lot of activity happened and we just kind of Mm -hmm. wanted to see. So we set it on a chair. It was the only thing in the room. Hit record. It was dark, you know, it was at night. Left the room and we started to walk down the hall uh, towards mm-hmm. like the morgue area and no sooner than we kind of like got out and about like maybe within 10 minutes I won't say we started to like turn back around and we saw the light go off on the on the camera and we're like what, what the heck like why would the light go off like it's only been on 10 minutes you know it's mm-hmm. char- like fully charged should be yeah. able to run for a lot longer so um, we were like, okay, let's go check it out and see what's going on. And uh, so we're walking back down the hallway towards that room. And then something comes out of the wall uh, on one side of us, like this white ribbon of light, probably about maybe four to five inches wide and several feet hmm. long. And it looked like a fully solid glowing ribbon of white light and it passed in front of our faces and went into the wall on the opposite side of us and just disappeared oh and my friend my like friend how was like, close to you oh close like within like like if i was to put my hand up in front of my face that close like oh maybe maybe like i mean i guess it depends on where you put your arm but <laughs> like within a foot of <laughs> Within like a foot of our faces, I would say. Like Ooh, really close. Nope. Really nope. close. And the skeptic friend like looked at me and, and he was like, Did you just see that? And I was like, Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> like, how can it I was not in my face. See it? <laughs> it was just one of those moments, like it was kind of funny because, you know, he was just in total shock and mm-hmm. couldn't like he didn't know what to make of it or whatever. And I'm just like, Yeah, that happened. Uh it didn't scare me. Like I didn't get I didn't get like weirded out or creeped out. I was just kind of like, huh, you know, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm just glad it wasn't like a, like something more sinister, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. here in a moment. Um, yeah. 
I'm glad that was your experience and not something else too. <laughs> yeah, no, because there's some <laughs> definitely some much darker things that happen. And, and I just, I, I always feel very like blessed that I feel kind of like there's a little bit of like somebody watching out for me or some protection or something. Um, mm-hmm. that, that those negative things did not um, happen to me. But anyways, let's get back into some of the other activity. Um, so apparitions are common. Um, you know, we're talking residual type stuff, most likely. Mm-hmm. People see or have reported seeing full body apparitions of patients and staff members throughout the sanatorium. Uh, these ghostly figures are described as wearing outdated hospital attire. And they can be seen walking in the halls, sometimes appearing in the windows, or even, you know, patients who are just lying down in the beds. Which, oh. I don't know how I feel about that. That, I think that's almost creepier. I think so, too. Like, I, I'm like... And I don't know one, why. Maybe we'll do a scale of, like, uh, one to five creepy factor. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Shadow figures are going to be pretty high up there for me. I think the apparitions mm-hmm. of the staff in that would probably be pretty, like, alarming. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it's not something you expect to see, you know? It's like, this, right. this looks like a human being uh, that's right. not supposed to be there. I wouldn't necessarily feel Ugh. threatened by it. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe I'll give that a three. But mm-hmm. it's creepy scale on a one to five for an apparition. Oh. Oh. I don't even know. Like shadow people are definitely up there. Um, I would say anything that isn't a full body apparition where you can only see either like the bottom half or the top half. Oh, that's creepy probably too. Coming, yeah. Coming in at like probably number two. Um, okay. Faces in the window are probably a three for me. Okay. Okay. Um. Oh, like seeing like a form, just, you know, maybe you could tell it's a human, but you're not quite sure, but you can definitely like see through it, probably a five. I don't know, at four, I think seeing a a ghost of a patient laying in a bed might be number four for me, because it's like, why are you laying down? <laughs> yeah. I Especially if like you're walking past a room and you can only see like from the legs down. Yeah, that's of the creepy. bed, and you just see the legs. So you Ugh. can't see the rest of the bed. I, I don't know. It's just something about like not seeing the full picture, <laughs> like the disembodied. Yeah, the yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's disorienting. It's disorienting regardless. Yeah. But when you don't see right. the full picture, then you're like, what? What? Yeah. So that yeah. would be high on my What's list. What's the too. other half? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about the EVP phenomenon? That's something that they catch too. A lot of disembodied voices sounds yeah. not just voices but like other sounds um you'll get EVP things like is whispers you'll hear mm-hmm. like actual conversations happening between people you'll hear crying mm-hmm. coughing is common imagine that oh um, oh that's horrible yeah yeah so on your scale of one to five where do you put th- evps for me would probably be in like the fourth or fifth place Really? Um, yeah. I I honestly think just like based off of experiences that I've had, um, oh, yeah, seeing true. things are way scarier for me, I think, than vo- or like noises. Um, just because, you know, if you see it, you're seeing it. You know, um, if you're hearing something normally with an EVP, you can't quite make it out. You know, it's, you know, you know, you hear something, but most of the time you can't make out what it is. Obviously, it's scarier if you can and it's directed at you. Um, Oh, yeah. But I would definitely put it on the lower part of my top five. Okay. Yeah. So one of the other things is um, screaming, moaning. Mm. Oh, so again, I think the noise itself might factor into the scale because of how yeah it is. <laughs> there just needs so. to be an EVP top five. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. Um, yeah. So Ugh. in 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 the realm of like shadow stuff, there have been reports mm-hmm. of shadow hands. 
So disembodied hands. Oh, oh. And then, you know, it's pretty common for people to feel like they're being touched or pushed or whatever when, you know, they're walking around Waverly Hills. That's a very common thing, too. Um, Mm -mm. Which is not fun when something touches you. Uh, Not cool. Nope. Did not sign up for that. Nope. No touching me. No touchy. Yeah. Just like <laughs> I didn't give you permission. People, you do not have yep. permission to touch. Yep. Um, shadowy figures have also been seen on the rooftop. Witnesses have reported <gasps> seeing, um, sometimes seeing these shadowy figures looking over the edge of the building from the rooftop. That's, that's creepier. Yeah, that's I think. creepy. Uh-huh. Uh. Um, I got a couple more for you. Moving objects. Just mm. things moving around. Um, one of them that is more common is the ball. So there's supposedly this little, like, ghost boy and different mm-hmm. kids that have died there. Because, you know, it wasn't just I've adults. heard of that. There was a lot of right. kids that died there, too. But, um, yeah. so they say that some of these ghost children like to play with a ball so investigators will take in like a you know one of those inflated balls and you'll be able to see it move around and i think there's some even video footage on youtube that you can check out and just see you know what if it looks real or if it's fake but Mm -hmm. that's the thing and then mysterious lights as i mentioned i had that experience on the first floor uh the mysterious lights tend to be on the first floor which is where the electroshock therapy room is as well as mm-hmm. the more. Totally oh. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Now, probably the most terrifying of all of the reported oh, yeah. things in Waverly Hills is um, kind of connected, well, it is connected to the body shoot. We haven't talked about the body uh. shoot, but... Mm-hmm. Basically, because of the number of deaths that were happening, like how quickly this was going down and they were trying to move the deceased bodies, Mm -hmm. you know, by train to wherever they were taking to do whatever they were doing to inter the bodies. um, It got to the point where it was like there was just so much that needed to be taken out and they didn't want the healthy, I won't say healthy, it's probably a bad to use um the living patients they didn't want the living patients to see all of the dead people being removed because it was just like devastating and like mm-hmm. you know it would not yeah. be a good morale booster um so they built the body chute and they used a motorized rail and cable system to draw um the bodies out to uh, trains that would like you know transport them to their mm-hmm. final destination but this area itself has a lot of activity. It's a hot spot. It's kind of where a lot of the paranormal investigators will spend a good deal of their time. Um, reports from visitors are seeing apparitions, um, feeling like a sense of heaviness and unease. Right. So I did not go to the body shoot. I don't know why. I don't remember. It's just like you ran out of time or. Maybe I was like, hell no, I won't go <laughs> because I know how creepy it is. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I never uh, experienced that myself. Um, one of the other apparitions that is connected to this is called the creeper. Oh, yeah. And it's just exactly what you think it is. It is exactly mm-hmm. what you would imagine a creeper would look like. And this is most commonly spotted on the fourth floor of Waverly Hills, which was the floor that was reserved for the most ill patients, the most severely affected patients. And a lot of people died up there um, specifically. So they ended up putting, installing that body chute because of that. And they called this one area the death tunnel. They could connect the fourth floor to the outside through that. Um, mm. so there's a lot of activity that's centered around this, this location, specifically the tunnel itself, and then also the fourth floor. So this is where the creeper comes into play. So Oof. people who have investigated have reported, um, 
saying that the creeper is a ghostly presence that appears to crawl or creep along the floor of the fourth floor corridor. Sometimes described as a shadowy figure, others claim to have seen a pale, emaciated entity moving in a distorted and unnatural manner, even climbing up the walls. <sighs> no. <laughs> That's gonna be a no for me. <laughs> it gets worse. It gets worse. What? That's not all. That's no. not all. Oh. Encounters with the creeper are often accompanied by an overwhelming sense of dread, fear, and unease. Witnesses have also reported hearing strange noises, disembodied whispers, and feeling a cold, oppressive atmosphere when the creeper is present. And the mm. creeper kind of sounds like like a harbinger of death, if you ask. Yeah. You know, like if I could put that into some kind of a, a paranormal package, it's like the <laughs> Grim Creeper, not the Grim Reaper. Yeah. It's the Grim Creeper. <laughs> yeah. Come to snatch your soul. Yeah. Terrifying. Nope. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. So. Because this has been um, a really commonly reported uh, thing that people see, it's gotten the attention of paranormal investigators and thrill seekers, and a lot of people go there just to try to find this thing. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of people say this it, this entity is just just another thing that people are making up, and maybe they're making it up to try to draw more people to the place, and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. But if you've ever actually experienced it. You you know that it's not fake, and I'm thankful that I didn't experience that because it probably yeah. would have died. Probably would have had a heart attack on the spot and just dropped dead. Yeah, yeah, and just become nope. a ghost. I would have just become a ghost at Waverly Hills. <laughs> That's not the place I think to be one. To mm -hmm, be honest, no, because there's a lot of other uh. creepy stuff there too that you may interact with, um, even as a spirit. Um, yeah. okay. Mm. So we covered a lot of like the main phenomena, but there are also some other noteworthy uh, apparitions. Uh, the, probably one of the most common ones you hear about is the nurse on the, uh, on the fifth floor. Stories say that hmm. a nurse hung herself in room 502 during the heyday hmm. of the epidemic. And one version that the tour guys will tell you is that she was young, she was unwed, and that she may have had an affair with a doctor in the building and oh. that the story was she got pregnant and then told him and he rejected her and so she hung herself in room 502. On that same floor mm. a sighting of another nurse is seen and rumor has it that um, that nurse also committed suicide or possibly was pushed off. But of course there's no record of this incident anywhere, um, which mm -hmm. I don't know why there would be, but yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. It's just one of the things that people commonly report seeing. Uh, there's also an apparition of an old man that's seen near the first floor elevator. People say that he was a former employee and has a connection there and just really loved his job. Um, the other ones are phantom smells of food cooking in the hmm. kitchen that is completely dilapidated and makes no sense as to why you would smell any food being cooked. Um, and some people Weird. even said they've seen like the apparition of a cook. Hmm. Yeah. So I can eternally cooking. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I want to break, oh. damn it. I don't want to cook yeah. my whole life. Uh, I don't want I don't this know. anymore. But some people do love it, so maybe. Maybe that's the case. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no shortage of hauntings and weird stuff happening yeah. in Waverly Hills. Mm. And I highly would recommend that if you have an opportunity to go there and explore it yourself, if you can do the overnight stay, and I'm not, like, connected to this place in any way, I just think it's interesting and um, having my own experiences, I, it's not one of those situations where it's all hype. It like actually stuff does happen. Um, mm. And when you go, 
like the fee that you pay is going towards the restoration of the building too. So, you know, it's like a really good thing to do, I guess, in that way, if you're going to spend money to do a paranormal tour, why not do it to where you can like be a part of restoring a piece of history? The owners mm-hmm. of that place are really cool people, really kind. Um, we had kind of an interesting experience uh, because we weren't actually supposed to be scheduled. Someone made a mistake when they scheduled our group and there was a oh, paranormal no. convention that was happening. And I just like got this weird feeling at one point because I hadn't heard anything about the reservation and it was getting close. So yeah. I called and it was like, hey, like, what's going on with this? And yeah. the person that answered was like, oh, you weren't supposed to be scheduled. They made a mistake. And I was like, we have people flying from out of state that have bought plane yeah. tickets, you know, like, yeah, geared up and ready to go. And so she connected with Tina, the owner, and she called me and said, we'll get you in. We'll just have you come in after please. And she's like, you'll have the run of the place yourself. So it worked out even better than we could have hoped for. Um, nice. We got to see kids trying to sneak into the property, um, lurking through the woods with their flashlights. So there's oh. problems with people trying to get into the building, which there's only one way in um, through the what they call the safe room. So you mm-hmm. enter this one part of the building, and that's the only way in. That's the only way out, or at least that's supposed to be, unless somebody's vandalizing something. Um, but it's funny, like she gave us walkie talkies and she's like, I'm tired. It's been a long day. I'm going to go in the safe room and take a nap. If you need anything, just, <laughs> just, just like call me on the walkie talkie and, uh, you know, I'll come get you or whatever. And she's like, if you see someone trying to like mess around outside of the building or whatever, just call me. So we did. And she like hopped on her four wheeler and just chased him off <laughs> the property. It was hilarious. It was so funny. She's like, yeah. I have to do it all the time. Um, but yeah, That's so that, crazy. Was kind of a, that was kind of a fun, fun experience to be part of that. Felt, felt very Scooby-Doo-like in a way. Uh, you know, <laughs> you rascally kids, get off the property. Yeah. Soinks. Yeah. But that is my presentation of W is for Waverly Hills. Oh, I think that we should definitely maybe do an event in the future, a private small group event at this facility. So maybe we'll put that on our list for as the show continues to grow. Maybe we can do a live event there and then also just do a private tour with some of our listeners. Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe some of our other podcasting friends who are into this stuff and just like make it make a thing of it. It would be would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. I'm I'm picturing Nick in there right now. No, Nick would be the first <laughs> one out of the building. <laughs> he, would, he would. He would. We just like link arms and be like, come on, man. We got yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, listeners, thank you for braving this episode with us. Yeah. If you are one of those people who have already been to Waverly Hills and you've had your own experiences, please send those know. in to us. We want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, email, email us directly at thatsomacabre at gmail.com or shoot our lovely lady of macabre, Riley, an email at Riley, which is spelled R-Y-L-E-Y at macabrepod.com. We'd love to get creeped out by you and just hear yeah. any of your personal experiences. Um, so yeah, keep us keep us informed, and we thank you for joining us on this episode. We're super yes. excited about what's coming up next. Hmm. And what is next? X. Uh, I was like, I gotta do the alphabet again. Uh, I have to use my fingers. <laughs> so W X and X. tell us about X. X is our first ever crossover episode, but it also acts as our origin story because we've teased you guys so much about <laughs> the whole season. We've been teasing you like, yeah, man, the way Hallie and I met, uh, it was weird. <laughs> it was weird how we met. You know, we had our own experiences. So we actually crossed 
collaborated with uh, Cryptids of the Corn. And Justin and Jay are hilarious. They're awesome. And we would love to hang out with them again. That was oh, we awesome. definitely will. We definitely will. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And then after that, we have Why, which was the You Pick episode. And we're very excited to hear about the tales that you already have submitted. But if anyone else has any sort of paranormal paramedic, hospital, uh, hell, morgue. Um, yeah. Any type of police like officer type, yes, yeah. firefighters, blue, men please. In blue, firefighters, what else we got? Yeah, oh man, mortuary. I bet you there's some stuff there too. Like, gotta be funeral directors, gotta be. And, yeah. yeah. So, try we to want to hear in, it because we're running out of time very soon. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, anything that we can't use for that episode, we, we certainly can use it in the future. So Yes, absolutely, because we're we're compiling those as well for season two. We have a new thing we want to try, so we would yeah. like to hear more from you, because I think that everybody would definitely love to hear your stories, so please keep submitting those to us. If you want a little bit more of Hallie and I, uh, we have Patreon, it's pretty wild over there. Uh, we have our private Facebook page. <laughs> Wild to say the enough. least. You know, yeah, can't. Yeah, just can't <laughs> get enough. Which I don't and know how, last, but we love it. Last but not least, uh, if you haven't left a review, we would kindly appreciate your lovely five star oh, yes. reviews and rating, yes. so that we can continue to grow the show. And we love exactly. Time. We do. We love to hear from you in all of the ways. And the more we hear from you, the more you hear from us. <laughs> That's true. So, <laughs> Whether you yes. want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You hate my voice. I'm so sorry. You are going to be stuck with it. Also, tell um, a friend. Not- yes. Share with a friend. Big share. <laughs> tell. Yes. We're not All a right. secret. And we should Stay be. Stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, friends, stay warm, stay yes. safe. Yes, have fun, but maybe not too much fun. And creep Depends it real. Fun. Creep it real. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This episode of Macabre was brought to you today by the Akimu. Remember to ask your Mesopotamian doctor today. Four out of five doctors do recommend this. You may be susceptible to becoming an Akimu if you do not check out the macabpod.com website. Email them at thatsomacabre at gmail.com. Join them on Instagram, their Facebook group, or not join them as a Patreon member. You could definitely be susceptible to becoming an Akimu. You can also be susceptible to becoming an Akimu if you forget to rate or review this podcast. And if you forget to show your love and appreciation for the ladies of Macabre, Thank you.